grateful that we've made it to chapter 6, the final chapter in the book of Ephesians, and God has taught us so much throughout the, the course of this study, and I believe he has much more to go. So before we look at these scriptures, if you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. If you're ready, say, ready. ready. Father, I pray right now as we get ready to open up your word, God, as we turn to Ephesians 6, I pray that, Jesus, you would give us ears that hear, give us eyes that see, give us a heart that's soft, give us a spirit that's willing, God, ready to receive. Holy Spirit, take the words of your book and apply them to your people here today in person, online, and whoever would watch this later on in their life. God, I pray that this would be a moment in a sermon that would be helpful. And ultimately, God, I pray you would strengthen us according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're kicking off a new series today that we're titling Help Me to Stand. Help Me to Stand. That the Bible calls us throughout this book to to stand. Everybody say stand. Stand. I, I like this little book that's a, a kind of a commentary of the book of Ephesians written by a well-known author back in the day. His name is Watchman Nee, and he writes all about the spiritual life and the Christian life of Christ in us and through us. And Watchman Nee has a little book on the book of Ephesians that he calls Sit, Walk, Stand. Just to give you a little bit more recap, in the beginning of the book of Ephesians, specifically in chapters 1 and 2, you'll find this word sit throughout it. We're seated in the heavenly places. We just sang about that, right? How when we put our faith in Jesus, right, God adopts us into his family and gives us a seat at the table. We need to learn how to sit before we walk. We need to learn how to sit before we stand. That there's something very powerful and supernatural about sitting with the Lord. We have a seat in the heavenly places. Never forget about your identity, that you're on the winning team. We're not fighting for victory. Friend, we're fighting from a position of victorious state of being seated in the heavens. That's who we are, church. We're seated in victory. We already have the trophy. Now, practically, we feel like we're in a battle. Absolutely. But we are seated, and we got to remember our identity. From seated, he goes into the different chapters 2, 3, and 4 where he says, now we're called to walk. We're called to walk in community. We're called to walk in faith. We're called to walk by the Spirit. All types of different walks are identified in the book of Ephesians. That our identity as Christians leads us to walking in Christ. Right? Jesus, though we're seated in him, he doesn't want us to just sit here and just kind of just... just never do anything about it, we have a mission, amen? We have a mission to make disciples, to plant churches, to preach the gospel, to be the salt and the light in the workplace, in the home, wherever God sends us, we're on mission. We can't just stay seated, we're seated and seated with a purpose, to walk in Him. In chapter 6, we find this word, stand. Stand, we're, we've been moving from seated to walking to Standing. I want to read some verses of scripture here today, and this will just set the, the tone for our sermon and for the ones to come. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If you have a Bible, open it up with me. If you got a phone, go ahead and scroll there with me. Come on, Ephesians 6, verse 10, and we can see if we can put it up on the screen. We're going to read all the way to verse 13. If you're ready, say ready. Here we go. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So we see this word stand throughout this text multiple different times. And what this text reassures us is that we, friend, are in a battle. I love what verse 10 says. I, I was planning on preaching on much more than verse 10, but I found myself stuck in verse 10 and God taking me deeper into verse 10. I want us to look at it on the screen a little bit closer. Verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Many commentators and scholars who I've been reading on Ephesians chapter 6 say this word stand is actually the foundation of the battle. That this word stand, if we miss the stand, we're going to miss everything else. That it's the stand component that leads to the armor of God. It's the standing in Christ. It's the standing victorious. It's the standing being ready for the battle that leads to everything else. So I want to preach a message to you today that I'm simply titling, Stand in His Strength. Stand in His Strength. Friend, let me see everybody's eyes. Come on, let me see everybody's eyes. Tap in with me. Friend, we got to stand in His strength. One thing that I've realized more than ever in 2020 and in the first couple months of 21 is we need the Lord's strength. Supernatural, spiritual, powerful, life-changing strength. As we look at Ephesians 6.10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This word finally, right, this word finally, he comes to us after five chapters of rich gospel truth. Right? Paul has been writing to us about so much in the past few chapters. He talked about how sinners are selected by God's grace, how dead people are made alive by faith, how these people are then united into one multifaceted family, how those people are then equipped for the workings of the ministry, and how those people are then instructed on how to live the Spirit-filled life in the church, in the home, and in every other environment. And then comes this word, finally. Everybody say it with me. Say, finally. Finally. The Apostle Paul is doing here what every pastor preacher knows the feeling of, well, saying, finally, I'm about to close, but I got a whole lot left to say before we close, right? He's making his, depart his, 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 he's coming down, right? He's about to land the plane. He says, now, finally, and I want to lean into that phrase, finally, because if this were a Disney movie, if, Jabber, if, that's a big if. This were a Disney tale, you would see a, some nice little floating pen come up the, on the screen and say, and the church lived happily ever after. 
I think some people would love for the book to say that. I think some preachers may even preach, hey, look, receive Jesus, put your faith in Christ, and live happily ever after. Friend, that is not what this says here. You would be tempted after all five chapters to think, wow, what a beautiful life. In fact, the Spirit calls us to a family. Jesus saves us from our sin. He seats us in the heavenly places. He gives us instruction for marriage. The wives are being godly wives. The husbands are leading the home in such a great way. The children are submitting to their parents and honoring their parents. The, the parents are lovingly guiding their children and they're following along and doing right. The workplace is filled with great workers. The employees and the employers are doing a great job leading spirit-filled working environments. All of this is so great. This is the ideal Christian life. What a beautiful picture. F finally, Paul says, with all that said, I don't want to deceive you how some of these commercials do on TV. Have y'all seen them? When they say they have somebody skipping through the field and they're like, try this medicine. It's going to help you with all types of stuff. And on the bottom of the screen, it's like, and it's probably going to kill you in your heart and your mind. They're going to lead to depression and all types of thoughts and all, you know, well, we don't want you to see any of that though. Like, I don't want to deceive you, church, that this is little small print stuff on the Christian life. Right? This right here, the Christian life, you'd think, man, this is the ideal Christian life. Paul says, finally, you got you to gotta close on this. I've, Paul is saying, I've saved the, the best for last. If you're going to have anything in Ephesians chapter 5, you're going to have to take part in this stuff. I like how R. Kent Hughes says it. He says, these were such exalted thoughts, substance for dreamy reflection, and then slap the ugly blood and grime of war with the devil. The fact is, a beautiful life is to be lived even while camped out on enemies' dismal territories, saying the Christian life is a battle. If anybody lies to you and says, hey, believe in Jesus, receive Jesus, and everything is going to be rosy and peachy, and you'll just go ahead and sail away into the sunset of heaven, they lied to you. That is not biblical. The Bible teaches us of a very real war, brothers and sisters, that we are in. Friend, we are surrounded by enemies. I don't know if you knew that or not. Three enemies that Warren Wearsby talks about is the first enemy of the world. The world is a system that we live in, comprised of a society that we do life in, and in this system in society, it is ferociously opposed to God. That the world that we're planted in, friend, is opposed to the God we believe in. 
it's a struggle to make it through the day, church. Because where we're at, where we live is, I mean, some people would define Las Vegas, I wouldn't, but some would define Las Vegas as what? The city of sin? Right? Why, why do we get that reputation? Well, because sin is so prominent and prevalent in our society that we are identified by it. Right? Sin is, in a lot of ways, glorified, celebrated in our own culture. Now, I believe Las Vegas is the city of him because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? That, that this is a reason to worship Jesus. We have a reason to go deeper into Christ because of the world around us. We're going to take the good news into this world. We're not going to retreat from it. We're going to stand firm in it. We have the world, then we have the flesh. Our own bodies is the enemy of Christ in us. Our fleshly nature, comprised of lust and passion and evil desires. The prophet Jeremiah says our hearts are sick and wicked. Sometimes people lie to themselves and say, well, only God knows my heart. Like, that's a spiritual thing. Like, that's a good thing. Your heart is the problem. If anybody says, hey, bro, just trust your heart, don't listen to that advice. Please, don't listen to that. That is not from God. Right? The world is opposed to God. Our flesh is opposed to God. And then we have a very real, literal enemy known as the devil who is radically opposed to God. My plan was to get into the topic of Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever name you want to call him. He has three different names in the scripture. Uh, but we're going to save the devil for next week as we dive deeper into the subject of him. I, I wanted us to get a foundation today for standing in his strength. If we're going to take on the devil and the world and the flesh, we got to learn how to stand in his strength. Amen? Amen. Come on, Josh, right? You know what I'm saying, right? Josiah, right? we got to learn how to stand in his strength. It, it, it is absolutely essential that we get this right. To quote from Warren Wiersbe one more time, he says, he says, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. I got to say that again. That, that, that is too good. The, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground, and that he faces an enemy who is much stronger than he is apart from the Lord. That Paul should use the military to illustrate the believer's conflict with Satan is reasonable. Paul is reminding us that we're in this battle here. As we exit Ephesians, as we move into the conclusion of Ephesians chapter 6, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. If we're going to live the Spirit-filled life, husbands, wives, children, parents, singles, youth, young adult, senior adult, babies, you never graduate from this battle until you're seated in the heavenly places with him. And we need to be prepared for it. As we look at verse 10, it says, finally, be, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I love this, be strong in the Lord. Come on, let's say it together. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, bro, or hey, sis, be strong in the Lord. If you're watching this online, be strong 
in the Lord. I think that we should encourage each other with this more. I might start doing that. You might get a random text message from me on Monday morning. Might just say, hey, Brandon, be strong in the Lord today. Come on, right? Come on, Pastor Dean, right? Be strong in the Lord today. I think we need to actually do more of this. We need to encourage and greet each other more with this. Hey, Bob and Lois, you guys made it to church today. Way to be strong in the Lord. Amen? You said, hey, I'm coming. Amen? We love you. We honor you. Be strong in the Lord today. I don't need somebody to pamper me. I need somebody to tell me to be strong in the Lord. Amen? I don't need somebody to say, oh, woe is you hiding you in a battle. No, I need somebody to say, hey, get up and be strong in the Lord. Amen? Paul is saying, Ephesians, you're, it, it's not a sail off into the sunset. He's saying you're in a battle. It's wartime language. Now, some would say, has this been historically true of God, or is this just new language for the Lord? Why does the military war language come out in Ephesians chapter 6? And I would say a casual study through the Bible would let you know that this has always been God's language. In the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 3, it says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. This phrase, Yahweh, the Lord. Some translations say the Lord is a man of war. The word warrior comes from somebody who is engaging in the war. Exodus 15, as Moses is getting to know the character of God, and God is saying, hey, I'm about to send you, Moses, into the land where Pharaoh is, and Pharaoh is going to be very upset with the news you're going to give him. Just let him know that the Lord is ready for war. Pharaoh's like, Moses, you know who you're talking to. You're about to start a war. And God says, tell him who sent you. I am the man of war. God says, I am the war. It would be wise to be on God's side, amen? He says, I, I am the war. In the book of Isaiah, you find the prophet Isaiah speaking on behalf of God, prophesying. Isaiah 42, verse 13, it says, the, the Lord will march out like a champion. I love the language. Like a warrior, he will stir, stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. It doesn't say he might. It doesn't say he could. Come on, church, it says that he will. I love the phrase, Jesus wins. Because, friend, we're on the winning team. Pastor Mike, you shared it earlier. What a proverb for today. Proverbs 21, if you haven't read it yet. The last verse in Proverbs 21 says, The horse is made ready for the battle. We want our horses to be strong as we go into battle. But he says, but don't ever get it twisted. The victory already belongs to the Lord. In other words, whether your team wins or loses, God always wins. The victory belongs to him. You see in this text that, that the Lord is a God of war and he's always won. His record is undefeated. And that's why it's good news when Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. 
And that's what I've came to tell you today. I had so much more that I wanted to jump into. I had so much like thoughts and quotes and points. And I believe that we're going to get to them. But I felt like God wanted us to just anchor in on this reality. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. All throughout the Bible, we see God as a God who is strong. As you look at the book of Psalms or as you recount the life of David, you find David talking about God from a position of strength. I want to just point your attention to a couple of Psalms to help us see it. Psalm 22, verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Do you see the prayer of David here? David's waking up every day and he's saying, Lord, I need you to be near me today. Right? I don't want us to go super deep theologically yet. I want us to just say, Lord, be near me today. You are my strength. Lord, come quickly to help me. Regardless of your domain, your job, your position, we need the Lord, amen, to be our strength. Does anybody else feel like they're in a battle or is it just me? Come on, Rebecca, right? I, just, I feel like I go through battle every day. We need the Lord. Psalm 28, verse 7 and 8, David says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. Oh, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. The strength of this church is not in music. The strength of this church is not in preaching. The strength of this church is not in a great community. The strength of this church is in the Lord. A supreme identity of him. And him alone, Lord, strengthen us. Lord, strengthen us. He continues. Psalm 118, verse 14. The, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. God, as I, as I get ready to go into this battle today, because it's a battle today. Pastor Hyden told me that it's a battle. I'm not... I'm not just living, right, in a fantasy world. No, this is wartime living. I have a devil that hates me and wants to destroy me. I have my own flesh that's against me. The world in itself is against me. God, I need to be strengthened, and I need you to be my defender. I just think God loves when we go to him with that, Manu. I believe God loves when we go to him, and he says, Lord, I think God waits for us to tag him in. So he can start defending. The spiritual realm, church, I think sometimes it's so mystical and people are afraid of thinking, wow, is this really, let's just keep it very logical here in the Western world. You know, let's not actually think what, what spiritually is out there. The spiritual demonic realm is against you, hates you, hates your family. Hates everything a part of you, everything about you. The moment you said Jesus, you got a target on your back. Some of y'all are thinking about getting baptized. Don't get baptized until you're ready. 
For the war. For the war. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Maybe you're familiar with this scripture from the Apostle Paul out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I can do all things. Come on, say it with me. I can do, come on, one more time. Say, I can do all things through him. Some of y'all just don't ever finish it. Who gives me strength? Come on, one more time. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This can't just stay on a coffee mug. It's got to go into our hearts. It can't just be a cheesy line on a t-shirt. It can't just be a tagline on your scripture, on your Facebook bio. This has to be you. When you this is battle language. Paul wrote this from jail, chained up to another dude, saying, can I just get my hand free for a second? I can do all things, even this right now. But Lord, I need you to strengthen me if I'm going to do it. God, I need your strength. The Bible is filled with God giving his people strength. That's why Paul closes Ephesians 6 and says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. You're not strong enough, but he is. Just to, just to go backwards a little bit, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I love John 3.16, but friend, I love Ephesians 3.16. Paul prays in Ephesians 3.16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. He talks about the inner being, the inner man. Paul, halfway through this letter, says, walk church, those online. I'm praying that out of his glorious riches, we talked about that, man, it's a big bank in heaven, that he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. If you can't win the battle against pornography or sin or slandering somebody or lust or pridefulness or hatred inside your inner being, I'm praying for you, friend, that you would be strengthened with power. This Greek word is dunamis. It means dynamite in the English. Dynamite through his spirit in your inner being. That the Holy Spirit would literally strengthen you up and you would be able to say no to sin and yes to him. All day long. Everybody say all day. Every day. Come on, right? This is an all day, every day thing. I've found myself, while preparing for this, I'll get in my car in the morning and say, Lord, strengthen me. I'll get to a stoplight and say, Lord, I need your strength. I get to my destination, God, strengthen me. I'm going to this meeting, God, give me the strength. Lord, strengthen me to preach. Lord, strengthen me to pray. Lord, strengthen me to teach. Lord, strengthen me to listen. Lord, strengthen me to repent. Lord, strengthen me to say I'm sorry. Lord, strengthen me to receive an apology. Lord, strengthen me to let something go. Lord, strengthen me to renew my mind, right? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is all throughout the text. I love how we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And he talks about the difference between strength and weakness. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is for somebody in the room. 
Hopefully it's for everybody, but this is for somebody specifically who's just struggling. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Paul says, actually, these things that somebody lied to me wouldn't be a part of my life are actually a part of my life. I have, Paul says, I have weakness. The person who wrote, wrote one-third of the New Testament, who planted all those churches, says, you feel weak? Good, I feel weak too. You got somebody insulting you? Dang, me too. You going through hardship? Me too. You're wrestling with death and struggle? Me too. You feel like you're persecuted ever? Some of you are like, never. Well, that's because you don't live out your faith. But if you do feel that, good. Paul, Paul says you should. Man, the Christian life is difficult. I know. Paul said it was going to be difficult. Who told you this was going to be easy? The devil probably told you it would be easy so he can smack you upside the head. No, you got to step in and say, no, I'm ready for this thing. I'm prepared for the war. I know it's going to be a battle. I know it will be. It's going to be difficult. But... When I'm weak, it's typically the moment that I say, okay, God, I need you. And God says, thank you. I'm strong. I'm big. I'm God. I would love to help save the day. That's who I am. And God does. He shows up and he changes things. This was Nehemiah's prayer. This was Nehemiah's wisdom. Nehemiah set out to do an impossible task. Right, to go back to Jerusalem, which was a city that was being invaded by pagan religion. They had torn down the historical walls of the, 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 the people of God. Nehemiah was offended by that, and he asked his boss, he said, Master, can I go and rebuild my wall back home? Because Nehemiah was a man of honor, and because he led well, the boss said, all right, just make sure you come back, and how much money do you need? Right? Nehemiah said, I need this. He blessed him with it. He went back. He started building the wall. One of my favorite prayers from Nehemiah is while he was building the wall, he said, Lord, strengthen my hands. And God did. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah is talking about, hey, this is how we get built up, friend. We get strengthened when we're in the Lord. We get strengthened when we're in Christ. We get strengthened for the battle when we're loving on one each other, when we're laughing together, when we're walking together. Hey, I'll tell you what, what sounds scary is being in the trenches by yourself, right? It's being in the war and looking to the left and the right, and you don't see anybody with you. Everybody in this room, just make it awkward for a second, look around. See everybody, the youngest to the oldest, we're all in this battle together. Everybody's got to be ready to fight. Everybody's got to be ready to help me stand. I got to be ready to help you stand. We need to help each other stand. Get a part of a church that helps you stand, that doesn't let you fall. 
or when you do fall, we stand back up. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Psalm 46, verse 1, David says, God is our refuge. The word refuge is another word. It's the Hebrew word for home. He's our home. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You're in trouble, God's ready. That's what the word ever-present means. Ever-present means always ready, always present. God is omnipotent, omnipresent. He's always there. We should acknowledge him, amen? We should talk to him. We should invite him in. He's always there. Taking a few more texts out of Isaiah. I know we're reading a lot of scripture, but I'm praying that the Lord would strengthen you according to his word. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Isaiah 33, verse 2, Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. I've been, a, I've been, I've been working on applying this, church. Every morning. Come on, one more time. Say, every morning. Every morning. Every, put it in the chat. Every morning. Isaiah says, if I'm going to be the prophet, I'm called to be. You fill it in your blank. If I'm going to be the dad, I'm called to be. If I'm going to be the leader, I'm called to be. If I'm going to be the real estate leader, I'm called to be. If I'm going to be the chef, I'm called to be. If I'm going to be the, the restaurant owner, the construction worker. If I'm going to be the mom, the church planter, the server, the Uber driver, I'm called to be. Lord, I need you to strengthen me every morning. Our salvation in time of distress. The word salvation is another word for our Savior the one who saves. Isaiah 40, verse 29 and 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the, in the Lord, say it with me, will renew their strength. We need new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Let me take a verse from the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. I, love, I didn't know that all throughout the Bible this, the people were telling the same story. We are sinful, fallen, feeble, weak creatures in need of the sovereign Lord's strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. I love that. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk said, I need the Lord and only the Lord to be my strength. And he's going to empower me to even give strength to others. He's going to empower me to help somebody else stand, but I need the Lord to help me stand. I love that right there. We need to look for the Lord. We need to look for the Lord's strength. I think one thing before we close that we struggle with here in America is we're just looking for strength in the wrong places. 
I know for majority of my life, I looked for strength in sport. I, I looked at the orange bouncing basketball and said, okay, you're going to be my strength. What was so terrible about making basketball God is that that means when you had a good game, you felt strengthened. When you had a bad game, you felt weak. People would say, hey, how come you, you, you're so down? I always thought it was funny. People would say, how come you're so down after a bad game? That would come from people that had no idea I even had a game. <laughs> like, you didn't even know I, I, we had a game last night. They're like, I don't know. I don't even care. I realized people don't even care. I'm getting so bent about stuff that people don't. Oh, you had a game? What? You, I didn't even know you played basketball. What? <laughs> Come on, you had to know that. No. no. Where, where are we going to eat? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm stuck. I, and God's saying, look, you're looking for strength in the wrong places. Some of you are looking for strength from your spouse. Where does it say get your strength from your spouse? You're getting your strength from your kids? Don't put that much on your kids. Your kids aren't supposed to give you strength. Your parents aren't supposed to give you strength. Now, you got to get wisdom and coaching and instruction and care and love and etc. I'm not devaluing the role of any of those. We got about 20 sermons on the, 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 the calling of the spirit-filled husband, dad, wife, kid. Employer, employee, etc. But your strength can't come from your favorite football team. Your strength can't come from your bank account. Man, I feel really good today. Man, I got paid. You're going to feel really bad in a week. That's, that's a bad way to live. You can't, you can't find your strength in those materialistic, earthly things. You got to look for your strength in the right place, the one who's ever-present. You can't find your strength in social media likes. Oh, man, this, this post got 16 likes. This post got 160 likes. That's a, that's a never-ending battle because then the people that got 160 million are like, man, that person's got 200 million, right? You were never supposed to get strength from that. Don't find your strength from those things. Don't find your strength from comparison traps. Find your strength in the Lord. Tony Marita, he writes in his commentary, he says, he says, do not look in the wrong place for strength. Our strength is not in our resources and ability and how long we have been Christians and how much we know about the Bible or in how long we have been in ministry. Our strength is in our union with Jesus Christ and in his mighty power. That's where our strength is found, church. I mean, we start finding our strength in our Bible knowledge. I've had people tell me that before, prideful as ever. Oh, I, and you can't tell me nothing. I used to read the Bible every day growing up. What? Clearly you didn't. I went to church. I grew up in the church. So that's supposed to be your strength when the devil hits you? I got baptized when I was nine. Really? What did it do for you? I don't know. I just, you know, I'm, it's not strengthening you today. Don't find your strength in religious activity. 
That's what the Pharisees did. And they missed Jesus who was right in front of them. Right? Find your strength in the Lord who's ever-present, who's ready to strengthen you, who wants to help you. He doesn't deceive you in that it's not going to be a battle. He says, no, it's going to be a battle. You're going to need me. But you could have me every moment of every day. Lord, strengthen me. I want to close um, literally right now. I'm moving this. I'm closing. Close. We're going to get to more. We're going to keep... Help me to stand, Lord. Help me to stand in your strength right now. Um, I, I wrote out a prayer. I wrote out a prayer, and I'm going to commit to praying it daily. I'm going to try to start my day off with this prayer. I'm going to see if we can even put this prayer up on the screen. Is Pastor Hyden's prayer for strength. There we go. We'll, we'll post it on social media so you can get a copy of it. You don't have to use it. I would encourage you, write your own prayer. Go, sit down with the Lord and just say, okay, this is the prayer that I want to pray daily. I want to start out with this prayer. And this is a little bit lengthy, but this is what God put on my heart as a prayer, as a result of this word. I'm going to pray it over us today. Father in heaven, come on, just hold your hands out if you want. I come before you in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit, standing firm in my identity as a child of God. Lord, today I pray for strength, supernatural strength, your strength. I ask you that you would strengthen me for the battle that is before me. Strengthen me for the battle that's in me. Strengthen me for the battle that's around me. Strengthen me when tempted to sin. Strengthen me when I'm weak. Strengthen me when I feel low. Strengthen me when I feel broken. Strengthen me when I rise. Strengthen me when I fall. Lord, I ask that you strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me according to your will. Strengthen me according to your grace. Strengthen me according to your power. Strengthen me according to the gospel. Lord, strengthen my hands. Touch your hands. Lord, strengthen my feet. Go ahead and touch your feet. Lord, strengthen my heart. Touch your heart. Lord, strengthen my mind. Touch your mind. Help me to stand in your strength today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 